0: What
1: a what a it was a bit of a slog, but eventually West Brom and Sunderland split the points 1-1 on Monday... Oh, no, wait, that was Arsenal-Manchester United. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Yeah, I mean, I I watched the game, and I, I was sure it was West Brom versus Sunderland, but it says here that was Arsenal-Manchester United. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a different game than I thought I watched. We are going to break down what was a bit of a slog, uh, a very tough game to watch, and increasingly our games are either uh, tough to watch in this way, in that there is very little attractive football played, or tough to watch because you have to watch it from behind the couch because uh, they are a structureless mess. But we will we will break down why that seems to be the case, uh, whether a point is something that we should be happy about here, uh, whether the approach was right, the players that shined, the players that didn't, all of that good stuff. Uh, we will do that with Paul. You can find him on Twitter at PawsInMyPants. Hello, pause. You can do that with uh, Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive AFC. Hello, Clive.
2: <clears throat> hey, hello, hello.
1: Hello. Uh, Tim had to back out last minute with a conflict, but he'll be back later in the week. I did an instant reaction sort of catharsis pod on Patreon where like I just had to get it off my chest so that when I did this pod, I would be less heated because I feel heated and that that never really makes for great listening. So, uh, or maybe think it makes for great listening. If it does, then sign up for Patreon and listen to the instant reaction pod. Uh, if it doesn't make for great listening, ignore that and pretend it never happened. And of course, of course, of course, the most important thing you can do is sign up for The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash arsenal vision. Um, we have some guests lined up for the international break that you're really going to like because The Athletic contacted us and said, uh, thanks for the great work. Here are some guests we can offer you. And so we're we're excited. We've got we've got a good lineup ahead, and, and that's because of all of you being willing to give them a try. Uh, again, 50% off and a month free if you do it. Anyway, let's get to the football. <clears throat> and look, Clive, I think one of the things that I have to come to terms with is the lineup doesn't really matter because the philosophy is what matters. And I have to admit, I have not really... Had a problem with any of the lineups lately. Um, I mean, obviously, would I prefer Shaka not to start and Torreira be given his more natural holding midfield role? Yes, but the idea that one tweak here or one tweak there is going to make the difference, I think, is kind of fatuous at this point. I mean, there's an, an expression when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And Emery has shown us who he is and, and how he wants to approach a game. And when this lineup came out in my mind, I'm like, <laughs> oh, this, you know, could play the more attacking role and Torreira and Shaq in a double pivot. And, and that, you know, that could work. And of course it's not that. And everybody made fun of me on Twitter, like, it's just going to be a flat three and <laughs> there's not going to be anyone going forward. And and sure enough, that's exactly right. I mean, Torreira sort of notionally man Mark Pogba and occasionally got forward to be a support striker. But if you look at the influence map, we didn't do a whole lot of attacking four shots in the half 116 passes played i think we pressed a little early on and then there was a lot of timidity so i'm curious to get your take in terms of the first half and just the way we set out to play that game do you feel that it was overly cautious given the manchester united team that was on the pitch
2: um i don't know i think um the main United fans I know were looking at our team thinking we can take these, the pre-game stuff on Monday Night Football and we were called lightweight by Roy Keane and, um, and I get, I think sometimes, we're, we're Arsenal people right so we see the best of our players and the players that don't play get even better in our eyes right so and it's, I agree with you, I think the last few lineups have been pretty good and what seems to happen though when we go into the pitch you then see the weaknesses of the lineup, even though you agreed with it beforehand. You see the weaknesses but do, within do it. Do you see the, the
1: weaknesses of we- the lineup, or the weaknesses with how those players are used? You know what I mean. Like Torreira is not a support I'll, I'll, striker. I'll,
2: I'll, <laughs> well, no, he's not a support striker. But you know, it, I'll give you. You said to me, give me my takes. So I'll give you a view, sure, right, please based please. on what I saw, right. So, so it it again. This is the, this is maybe the change in football and the change in what we're used to. So, Manchester United, not a bad side, pretty, got some missing pieces, lack of quality. A lot of young academy players um, that are on their way up, but we're not too sure how far they're going to go. They've got one player in the centre-air midfield called Paul Pogba. We know about him. Potentially going to be a Real Madrid player, won the World Cup with France, probably their most influential player, along with Mbappe. So, guess what? Our manager decides to stick Torreira on him. And go bang, I'm going to press you off your feet because I don't want you to influence the game. Maybe you could say, Well, why are we doing that? Does that show a lack of confidence in the team that we have? Why don't we just go and play them? Well, I seem to remember many, many times saying, I wish other managers would watch your position and try to nullify their biggest threats. And it was interesting that was what Torreira's role was off the ball. On the ball now, he becomes a player that's sometimes closest to a Aubameyang. And you then start to think, well, what's he doing as a support striker? But again, the detail that he was probably detailed to do, and if you watch the first two minutes of the game, which I know Paul has probably done, the first pressing tackle came from Torreira. Mm -hmm. So straight away, that tells you his details. When we watch a game, watch the first two minutes, and watch where people stand, and watch where people attach themselves to. It's really interesting from both sides. You can almost see the game plan in a moment. So straight away, I did not think Torreira was a support striker. I thought he was detailed to press their best player and to make sure he didn't get his head up right, and play those long raking passes through to two very quick forwards and a joining forward in Linkard but two quick forwards in James and Rashford. That's that's the game plan and Gwen Doozy, be a bit free. Jacker, can you please just stand in the in front of the back four and try to progress the play up the pitch? My backs, can we stay tight? Can we stay tucked in? If one's going to go, actually, let's see if Callan Chambers is hard to pin back at the moment. He's like a horse on the gallop, and I think the booking absolutely killed the game a little bit. And I'll we we'll probably get to that a bit later on. I won't kill that now. K-Kalashnik, we know what he is, we know what he isn't. Um, sporadic defender, sporadic attacker. One good thing, one bad thing. And then we have the three guys up front. We've got an 18-year-old, we've got a low-touch superstar world-class striker, and we have an enigma trying to settle into the league. So it's, it's very interesting, to, you know, when you look at that, you think, okay, we should take them. We should take them. Well, we haven't taken them since 2006 in the league, mm. and there has been times they've been completely as weak as this. But for some reason, we can't seem to take them. You know, and in this game, we're very fortunate that a new technology allowed us to even get a point. Right, mm. so I think I, I'm I'm just trying to give it a little bit of a sure, holistic sure. view. I'm not <laughs> saying that is what I would do in years gone by with the players that we have this was the time to go and beat Manchester United. I will say that the players that we have in the current state of adaptation, health, fitness, confidence, and belief, this was maybe the result that was in the post that maybe as fans we didn't see.
1: And and maybe we can talk about, well, not maybe, we will talk about whether a draw is, is worthwhile, whether that's a credit to us, you know, down the line. That is something we can absolutely do. I mean, Manchester United... This is something, and maybe this is more an American thing because in American sports, teams are good for a few years and bad for a few years. You don't necessarily get the same dynastic uh, teams. I mean, you do in baseball a little bit, but but football is very much about history and dynasty, and, and I get that. But this is a Manchester United team that had won four times in 15 games. They lost at home to Crystal Palace this season. Um, I think there is... And by the way, not just that, but also without Martial, without Wambasaka bissaka And I think playing the shirt and playing the history doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The reason we haven't won at Old Trafford is Manchester United, for a long time, has been better than us. For most of the time that we've played there over the last decade plus. Um, they haven't necessarily always been recently, and we haven't always, you know covered ourselves in glory, fair. I mean, Ferguson did beat us with eight defenders, but that was also Sir Alex Ferguson. This is not. So I think you can go into this game and say, let's see what we've got a little bit. But Paul, to me, what I see with Unai Emery is that he realizes he has some talented attackers and that his default approach to the game is if we keep it tight and compact, maybe my attackers have enough individual talent to get the goal that gets us a result. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes he's right. I mean, to be fair, Yang scores a goal every single game, and that can help you. But I, I think that he is more willing to play a game to be ugly and compact and hope that the ball gets in the attacking third where one of our attackers does something special. And, you know, I noticed something else, too, and I want to get your take on this. I thought we pressed pretty well for the first 10 minutes or so it reminded me a little of a lot of games lately and anfield comes to mind too where there was more verticality in our game early and then we started to sit off and sit off and sit deeper and play more on the counter and sit deeper and defend more and that happened again in this game so i'm curious to get your take on why we came out of the blocks pressing a bit and you know seemed to be at them and and pressing even in their half a little bit but then within about 10 15 minutes sort of turned that off and sat deeper. Why is that a pattern that seems to be repeating itself now across multiple games?
0: So
3: um, we started reasonably brightly, as you say, uh, with some level of ambition. My narrative, if you want to call it that for the game, is after that they got stuck into us. They were kicking us all over the pitch for about a 20-minute spell in which they got three yellow cards and they should have got three more. Uh, There's that... Uh, eye-catching moment on 31 minutes where we're sprinting up the middle of the pitch um, and uh, they take out Pepe who goes tumbling and they take out Gonduzi in, in quick succession while we're streaking up the middle of the pitch. You see Young uh, kicking people in our third to stop counters. It's, all, it's a classic Old Trafford ploy of just uh killing the play which they did successfully for a period in that first half now yeah we were playing a counter-attacking approach but that doesn't mean it it wasn't going to be exciting on the counter and that we weren't going to be dangerous but they really got stuck into us when their legs were strong in that first half then around the 40 minute mark things loosen up it starts going end to end we attack they attack rashford we attack they attack rashford um he, he gets run out towards the byline. It gets recycled. McTominay gets his goal. Uh, end of the first half. Start of the second half, we start really brightly. We're pressing upfield. We have a good 15 minutes. We get our goal. Then we continue pressing for some minutes more. Saka has another opportunity in front of goal, which is almost wide open, but they get a block on it. It still nearly goes in. We keep pressing for a while, but by that stage, we brought on Sabalas and... We've been pushed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll go with Sabalis as long as we're going to go with Bayerin, Sanyehi, and Weyok. Keep going. (laughs) So later on, we bring Weyok on. So there we are. We got Sabalis on field. And that's grand when we all got legs. But you start seeing the the tide turning and suddenly it's Manchester United who've decided they don't like being one, one. They got the crowd behind them and it's a really open game and we're going at them, but they're coming at us more than we're going at them. And that's when around the 80 minute Mark Emery reads the cards, you know, McTominay's just had that header just over the bar that should have been in, uh, Rashford's put the ball across our, our six yard box. um, and the tide is turning at that stage. They got the legs at that stage, and we're pretty shagged. And so we kind of slow things down, bring Willick on, and calm it down a bit. Um, as, as we debated a little earlier today, uh, I didn't love this game to watch it, but I understood it. Um, yeah. And def- defensively, on the defensive end, this was the first time we have played well defensively. People held mm-hmm. their positions. You can go man mm-hmm. by man and watch them for ninety minutes, and the point. players did their jobs. Oh, for God's
1: sakes, <clears throat> look, I, <laughs> can, I, I, I got, can I even can add wait, just one second? Bit. Wait a minute, just, just, Stop, just wait a minute. <laughs> look, the, the the thing that was very clear to me from the start of this game is that they were utter shit. All right, let's not sugarcoat this. That was not a good team. These were two teams playing poorly. I think crediting either team with anything they did is doing a disservice to football because neither team was good. Both teams were bad. They've okay. been
3: relatively sound defensively. Yes, they didn't have one Bissaka, though.
1: Sure, but, but you know, they, they put us under very little pressure. We didn't have our two They backs. had five shots in the first half. We had four shots. We played 116 passes. We made no effort to get our foot on the ball to control That's this game true. and put them under pressure. And at the end of the day, That's not the true. fact of the matter is, this is not a one off. If this was a one off, you could say, oh, here he goes, ranting and raving. This is the football we play now. It is passive. It, it was one off it, because it we actually played
3: well defensively. Great, That's I got news for you.
1: If I was playing striker for Manchester United, it would look like we played well defensively too. Marcus Rashford had a chance in on goal where he literally kicked his own foot and fell on the ground. Like there were there was not a Sorry lot of execution.
3: Ran him down, and locked him.
1: Anyway, putting that to one side, okay. The fact remains that this is a team that will not commit resources to the attack, and we once again did not do it, and we did not put United under pressure. And, Clive, I think, you know, you look at coaching, and there's a lot of ways that you can approach it. And you can look at the tactics on the pitch, but you can also look at the things that should be worked on on the training ground. And two of those things are set— are are corner kicks and goal kicks, and the set pieces that this team takes are bad. We are bad at corner kicks. We are bad at goal kicks. Everybody got mad about the short goal kicks. Now, to be fair— We weren't executing them well, but you could understand the strategy. Now we go long and the ball comes right back at us, okay? So that hasn't gotten fixed. The corner kicks are just as bad. How do you defend the way we are playing from dead ball situations? Because that is a
0: mess.
2: Yeah, I thought the execution was poor. I thought it was really, really poor, particularly on some of the free kicks. I mean, even the free kick in the last minute. You know, do you remember the Shaka free-kick he scored at Crystal Palace last season from the right-hand side into the top corner? We have a free-kick in the last minute, and and we don't put a lefty on it. We don't swing it in. We we just mess about. And I sort of tweeted out about, you know, there are some real fundamentals that are missing in this team. And a lot of that is just around smart decisions, don't do what the opposition want you to do do what they don't want you to do put the ball into areas where they need to defend there is some you know i will say i know really that you've got a, you've got a down on the manager but you you can't blame him for some of the execution that we see in the top third i think we've we're all focused on so many things that are not quite right but there are things that we're not seeing because we're seeing we're trying to focus on the main things that we feel are not right, which is a manager, maybe the, maybe the captain, maybe the style, and so it's all based on your own individual structures how you see the game, based on a benchmark which is normally personal to you as an individual, right? So when you're comparing how we play, this is our world, this is what we are, you're probably right. You know, this is what we are. And, and why is that? Some of that's down to the players and some of that's down to how the coach approaches games. I think he approached his games in, in quarters. I think he wanted to be nil-nil after the first quarter. He was starting to get control in the second quarter. concede the goal somewhat against the run of play. Come out in the third quarter, totally dominated it. Then get a bit of a shock when they get a shot. And then it's like, okay, what do we do now? Do we push? Or do we hold? We make a change with Sabias and Torreira and it, we had a bit of combination. We score quite quickly and and then suddenly we start to play a bit. But again, we start to lose a bit of structure. Suddenly the player that Torreira was detailed to, to mark gets into the game. And then it starts to create chances for them. If you're the manager, you have to stop that. And he stopped that by solidifying, bringing on Willock, by adding more energy. By um, the fullbacks were struggling with fitness, so he covered them up with with younger players, with younger legs. And he started to get into the game. And Gwendausi started to do three men's jobs. And we and we saw the game out. Could mm. we have won it? Yeah, we could have won it. Could we have lost it? Absolutely, just like Spurs, just like Watford. Uh, just like Aston Villa, we did actually win it. Yeah. Right, so I, there is a trend developing here. And you can say, okay, why are we not attacking? Why are we not doing this? Why are we not doing that? Why that's we a not great question. Why men? are we not attacking? Uh, well, when we do, <laughs> we concede. No, that's
1: you not know, true. When we, no, 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 that's not it, true. It's true. We're a better because team when we, we are, attack. And all enough. the evidence points to it. All we, the when, evidence when, points we, to when, it. No,
2: no. When we... Now, come on, the other day, guys, you, we were talking about um, when we sit in, we conceded 30 shots. When we push forward, the number one, Man United told us our weakness. Every every time De Gea got the ball, he was smashing it forward really, really early to get us running backwards. When we had corners, we were probably most vulnerable. When we had set pieces in the, in the, in the last third, I think one of our big issues and I'm sure somebody will have the data out there, is our accuracy in the last third and how many times we get dispossessed around the edge of the area. And what's happening is we're being transitioned on. I feel worried when we're up there because our ability to sprint back isn't great. We haven't got those sprinters in the team. I have a theory
1: on that, though, by the way. And I think one of the reasons that we struggle with that is because we don't support our attackers. And when they lose the ball... There's 20, 25 yards of green grass between the f- attackers and the players who are sitting back, and that allows them to create numbers going the other direction before they f- confront any defensive mm-hmm. pressure. Whereas if we pushed well, 15 yards forward... Because, Clive, when when we... Look at the Villa game. When we had to chase the game and we pushed players forward, Villa would get the ball, but they couldn't get it out. Look at the Forest game, where we didn't feel any nervousness, so we pushed everyone forward. When Forest got the ball, they couldn't get it out. And when you look at the United game, from 45 minutes to 60 minutes, when we were behind... Behind and push players forward, they couldn't get out. And once we got level, yeah, and we, I we thought, dropped I back that in again. And that space. opens up that space in the middle of the pitch for them to turn the ball around and come at us.
3: Uh, and we I, were I, shagged out, and they weren't, and uh, they uh, came right, back Paul, at us real us quick, then. Was, real quick, then, Paul, their turn.
1: To tell me what you think about the set-piece issue, because I want to at least put a pin in that and, and move on from that. I think, surely, you know, when everybody's passing around that video of Emery taking the corner kicks in training, and it's a ridiculous video, but I, I mean there has to be there has to be an explanation for why we are so bad at the things that are supposed to be worked on in the training ground
3: yeah, look, I don't disagree with your point on set pieces, even though I asked to say something on it. What I would say is, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in this game, and this game only maybe, but I think it's been a bit of a trend, we've been good defending set pieces. We were excellent in this game defensively against set pieces and all of their corners and all their crosses, apart from the McTominay one, which That's fortunately yep. didn't go in. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're probably doing something on the training ground. Emery must be defending our set pieces as well as setting them up on the training ground. So look, you might get the idea. I think I'm saying the manager is great and everything's fine and we can take this game and spin it into something. Uh, I'm just saying this game on its own, I didn't have a huge problem with. I was okay. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't think the football was great. Actually, I, I, that's not actually true i watched it a second time i did kind of enjoy it but by then i discounted quality in the final third which was where much of the issues were um they they tried to kick the shit out of us i would say for a 20 minute spell we held our own uh, it turned into a pretty good game in the second half until about 80 minutes and it was ebbing and flowing we had their period our period they had their period that's kind of how i felt on it it's, sure it, it it's not the greatest game to make a case for either side, but I think this was an okay game from Arsenal. I don't think and, and we were... where we're, we're at yeah. in our arc. I don't think I, I we would were it.
1: noticeably worse than them. That's not, I want to be clear about this. I think this was a low-quality football game between two teams that are scuffling and don't really know how they want to play and don't have the confidence in their con- convictions to, to go out I think, and, look, and demonstrate I think that. Me... I,
2: think, I think most people listening would say... That was a low quality game. There's nothing. There's nothing new there. Can, can I
1: make a point, no, Clive? Just real quick, floor, though. There were and two floor
2: teams having a having a a bit of a handbag <laughs> awesome. dust up. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it wasn't. Listen. It it wasn't great. It wasn't great, and we came out of it with a with a point okay. and, a, and maybe a few talking points. Oh. Just football.
1: Okay, listen. And one, one of the things individual we do performances, you, you know, I like with Mesedoso, we we've always we've always made the point, like with Mesodozo, like, oh, you know, the problem with Mesodozo is. He always needed the perfect conditions for to play right. Uh, oh, well, if he only had the right strikers with him, he could play right. Or if only he was deployed at 10, he could play right. And, and only if he was at home and the weather was clear, he could play right. And like, that is a fair criticism of Ozil. He's been a player who was a Goldilocks player who we always kind of felt like could only perform if all the conditions were right. That was a criticism levied at him. And I think there was something fair about that. I feel that we're getting that way with Emery, where it's, well, if only he had the fullbacks, if only it wasn't raining, if only we didn't get kicked, if only it wasn't at night, if only it wasn't after we played. If I mean, it starts to feel like what's being said about Emery is if every condition is 100% exactly right and every player is 100% fit, that suddenly this conservative philosophy that we've seen for a season and a quarter will not be there. It'll be totally different football and everything will be better. And I, I just think... That's not coaching. That's not how it works, and that expectation isn't realistic. Clive, I I think we should get into some individual performances for a minute, and I want to talk about Shaka for a second. I think I'm I'm struggling to understand the role that is leading him to be a regular starter. I don't think Shaka was crap in this game, although I don't think he was good. Um, I think... The thing that I'm missing is what it is he's doing that makes him nailed on first name on the team sheet and playing in a position that arguably Torreira should at least get a shot at or a Ceballos. I mean, those are other questions. But in the first half, for example, he completed 13 passes. Nine of them were to the defenders. And one of the things that I saw him doing a lot is that he would get the ball, and if there's even the slightest pressure... He wouldn't step around it. He wouldn't look up and try to make a progressive pass. He'd go back to his defenders. And I think if you're going to sit and play on the counter, one thing you really need is that that fulcrum, that guy in midfield who's deepest. When he gets the ball, he's got to be able to turn into the pressure and spot a player in front of him to move the ball forward and start the ball going the other direction. Otherwise, you just get sucked deeper and deeper into your half. And I saw a lot of that in the first half of this game, that he could not trigger those transitions. So, you know... That, that to me is, is really a worry. I don't, I don't see him making the kind of progressive passes that people claim he is so good at doing. And he certainly is a defensive liability. So for you, what do you make of this performance and the fact that, that he continues to have that role handed to him?
2: He has, he has a role handed to him. And you obviously have a picture of what that role is and you've decided that's his role, and he must have the abilities to do it. We all know, because we're smart guys, we've seen him dribble, and it's not pretty. No, it's <laughs> so not. Why would, we, why would we expect him to suddenly have that skill this year when he hasn't had it for the previous two and a half, three years? Well, I don't years, think he it. has
1: it, so that's why I'm wondering why he's, why in a in a more counter-attacking transitional system, why he's being given a role that really depends on being able to turn deep possession into it, attack it, quickly.
2: So... I think Shaka's a decent player, got some decent leadership qualities. He has some obvious limits around his agility, ability to manipulate the ball and his feet, uh, the ability to sprint, and the ability to cut through the first line if under pressure. He's not very press resistant. He has got a wonderful range of pass, wonderful weight of pass. He's quite dogged. Uh, He puts himself into areas where to help his teammates, he's a good release valve, he's always available for the pass, all of those things. And he has some glaring weaknesses. I mean, mate, this is pretty elementary uh, analysis because every single listener could repeat what I just said. Um, Now, when it comes down to why he's in the team... Well, I suppose that's the choice for the the coach. He chooses him. The club decide to give him a new contract because they see something in him. The club and the players have decided that he's got some qualities that fit the Arsenal values so that have made him captain. I personally feel there's another there's another player we need for that role to elevate the team. But that player, in my opinion, isn't here right? Torreva does that role in a different way.
1: I agree. He Mm -hmm. does
2: that role in a screening way. So he will screen and tackle and get in front and, and, and ability on the ball is okay but he hasn't got the same range. So he tends to do that role in the diamond where he's got two other ball players left and right to him. And so i sort of can take him and put him slightly further up and press and try to create transitions further up. Do I agree with it? Probably not. Would I I'd like to see him in a double pivot? Cause I just think that works for so Shaq. Yeah,
1: it works. I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Wasn't I like... it
3: kind of a double pivot in this game for much of it, Clive? Though? I mean, it, it, I, mean it, it I know was it was a four. flat three, but but it was Torreira had another job. And, and it's really like there was a demarcation here in this particular game where Chaka basically sat and kept it simple. And Ganduzi was the guy twist and turn and trying to get upfield and somebody had to sit.
1: I, I, get, so, I get that. But can, I, can let me just have a rejoinder to that real quick, <laughs> which is that, again, if you're going to sit deeper and you're not and you're not going to push higher up the pitch with possession or pressure and you're you're going to try to play on this you know this this supposed counter style this ca- which you know I I don't even see real evidence of that but if that's what you're doing then one of the things you have to be able to do when you get the ball back is turn that deep possession into Forward movement quickly. You've got to turn. And in the second half,
3: when the game opened up, that's exactly what Chaka did.
1: I I mean, there wasn't
3: wasn't much avenue in the first half to do it. I think
1: he did it during the period uh, where we were a little higher up the pitch and we were chasing that extra goal. I totally agree with you, but what I'm saying is, the last
3: five minutes of the first half. And and look,
1: maybe it's instruction. I, I will fully acknowledge it might be instruction, but I watched him really closely in that first half again. He gets the ball, and if there's any United player in a five-yard halo around him, he goes back to the defenders. And that that stops you from being able to do that counter-transition thing that supposedly is the, is the MO.
3: Yeah, but you've gone okay,
1: okay, but he's not giving it to him. He's giving it to a defender. Like, that's, Somebody you know, was
3: giving it to Gondoozy, though.
1: It wasn't him. It do- doesn't
3: really matter how it gets to him.
1: <laughs> right, I'm just saying, like, why play a guy at the base in a counter-attacking transition system who can't face... You know, turn and face the pressure and distribute it forward to start us Clive. going the other direction. Uh, Clive, go ahead.
2: Well, I, 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 this is what this is what we do, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a bit deep here, right? This sure, is what go we deep, do let's as do deep fans. fans. <laughs> this, this is what we do, and we and, and we do it, and we I, I I try my best not to, but there's a bit of we all have this vision. Of the perfect game of the perfect team of the perfect structure and what the attributes of those individual players should be right and then we then impart that on our analysis we then say well he can't do this or why can't he do that well why doesn't he select him or why didn't select that why don't you watch the game and then tell me shaka's first mistake because i will tell you his first mistake it was on their first shot when he went over on the halfway line, went over to the left-hand side, in, right on the touchline, got popped past, Pereira runs in, un, unimpeded, 50, 40-yard run because nobody had covered round because Shaka had gone fishing for the ball again in an area where he did not need to go. And they get the first shot when Leno dives his left and saves it. That's what we should be talking about. Where is your positional discipline? You're in this team for a particular role. You should be a protective player. We know about your limitations on the ball. There's no point in repeating it, right? We've been talking for two, three years. We know it. The three of us, we know. But what we are... What we are finding in this team, in this Emery's team, is that Shaka's role, he needs to be there. He needs to be present, block enough passing lanes, giving him fouls away so we don't get countered on and not getting booked and picking people up and tapping them on the head. That's what Liverpool do, and they don't get booked. Doing all those things to allow us to get behind the ball and then to stop shots on our goal. Right? And his defensive draft,
3: about. his cover of their counterattacks... Uh, he doesn't do this all the time. He was exceptional well, exceptional is a strong word. He was on point all game covering their counterattacks. Him, Genduzi, Obamayang, every one of those players knew what the job in this game was for ninety seven percent of it.
2: I felt we I felt in the game and, and, and this is something that I think I find myself when I watch a game and I get really nervous about Old Trafford for some reason. The build-up to it, it's just maybe historic because of the, the rivalry. This game means a lot. It it means a lot to me. really does. And I, I almost, I have to come off of, you know being online because i just wouldn't be rational i just can't i can't deal with it welcome to my world and so yeah, <laughs> i'm perpetually so, irrational <laughs> yeah, so, and and, it, and it's a very tense game and i felt the tension i felt the fear on both teams i felt the need to to play good enough to not lose but not too good so you would lose do you see what I mean? I felt there were moments when both teams fancied themselves to win, and then suddenly the fear of losing overcame them and it restricted them. It restricted their ability to really let go. As fans, we're thinking, come on, you're really there. You know, when Saka has the side foot and it hits Lindelof's knee, that goes under that's the bar. That's bad luck. It's a, yep. it's I mean, that's goal. bad luck. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's the moment of the game, right there, right? Isn't it? It's right there. Torreira's missed side volley. He's quite good at that, doesn't yeah. get the right connection. You know, he got that against Huddersfield, overhead kick, was it last year? Huddersfield at home, Mm -hmm. overhead kick, bang, goal. He gets that goal. What a genius move to play him higher up. Like it's just fine margins. This stuff. I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not sitting there saying that was wonderful. That was <laughs> that was England Brazil 1970 because it wasn't right. It Man. wasn't. It was a it was an ugly game of football that we competed in. There were times we go to Old Trafford and boy, we did not compete. So I'm not saying the corners turn, but there are so many components of this team that are not working, that are not fluid. That there are very little partnerships which are good. If we compare, we're post-match podcast, Elliot, right? So if we compare this from the, maybe the last one when we had I had real concerns over Louise and Socrates, for example, in this game, I thought this was their best game. Yeah. So has that partnership got something? I thought this is David Luiz's best game for Arsenal, without a doubt, in my opinion. I think probably one of our strongest positions in the whole team is the goalkeeper position. We've got two excellent goalkeepers that are really... Hitting to a, a new place. I'm looking at so- so, um, Kalashny. I'm thinking mm, we can do better there. I'm looking at Chambers at right back. I think you're doing a great job, mate. But you've got a limit pace-wise. I look forward to when you both those guys can be replaced and we can develop combinations and partnerships mm-hmm. down the side. I don't like the fact that our midfield looks light and it can't sprint. So what you're saying, Elliot, we all agree with. But I judge him on this game, on this game, and I thought he did better than he has done other games for example and I'm still scarred by the Watford second half which Mm -hmm. I think's a real time for you to be irrational that's the time that (laughs) is the time. because because we are two points down really on the season we are two points down that's where we should be having those two points in our back pocket the rest is par for me
1: yeah I mean look I sometimes you can look at what a manager says about the match, and interrogate how they're seeing it. And Emery at full time said it's not the best result, and credit to him because he's right. In the first half, they pressed a lot, but we controlled the match with good possession. I mean, that's patently not true. They had some chances to score, and at the end, I think the is deserved and fair. We can be better defensively, and we are going to sometimes need to do better, do more offensively. I think that is him telling on himself, that he looks at this game, and he says we can be better defensively. And sometimes we need to do more offensively. In Emery's mind, the problem with this game is we needed to defend slightly better. Okay? That's how he comes across. I want more control with the ball to create better chances. But being competitive against Manchester United here is a good point. Aubameyang is very important for us. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think <clears throat> that the the thing that, that I look at is in that first half, where we completed 125 passes and had four shots and they had five shots and, you know, completed 189 passes, which is still still not a lot. Like it was a low quality football match. And I just, I think you look at these two teams and, and you see a lot of tentative play. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, you know, can just, oh,
2: okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> <Right. Yeah>. the, <laughs> I just, yeah, just wanted to say one more thing.
2: I just wanted to say one more thing, right? And this is, and this is something that I think, I, I tried to touch it before, but I do want to get this out. I think, you know, when I used to speak to my Chelsea and Spurs mates, I used to say to them, what do you fear mostly about Arsenal? And they used to say to me, when, we get, when you guys get the ball around the edge of the area, it's scary, man. You do one-twos and you're in and you cut through teams. And, you know, you might be soft in midfield, you might have soft defenders, but when you get to that top third, you've got some real talent that can really create something. And you're not too sure where it's coming from. I actually think we're not very good at that anymore and just when we get it there i don't think we are very secure i don't think we tame we retain possession we all know pepe's lost the ball 17 times numbers from this game i'm not blaming him but it's in it's it's a it's indicative abameh has skills ball retention under pressure on certain days away from home is not one of them and in the end the most secure forward we had on the day was an 18 year old kid playing his second premier league start Right, so there are issues around our security, pass decision, shot decision in the top third, which are exposing us positionally to transition football. So we are not seeing the control you want. We're not seeing the technical accuracy, passing and decision and confidence to penetrate that we are we've all grown up with. And I think that's a missing point to this team and i'm not looking i'm looking within the team from to fix it i may be looking at a couple of players that are missing but this is something that we've really lost from this group yeah and and, and i'm and i'm i think it's something that during the transfers that we've seen that maybe an ingredient that's really gone from this team is maybe taking away some of the enjoyment for some people
1: yeah i think that's well said we'll take a break but i will say this you can't play 12s and have dynamic interesting creative play in the opposition final third if there's only three players in the opposition final third. So, uh we're going to get to subscribe to the Athletic or not subscribe to the Athletic as you choose to do, but one way or the other, we're all going to take a deep breath. And then we're going to come back and yell at each other some more. So stay with us, there's more coming up right after this. Okay, it's time to tell you about The Athletic, the new home of football writing and a world-class sports website. You can get The Athletic for half off and a month trial right now if you go to theathletic.com forward slash arsenalvision. You'll help the pod, and of course, you'll help The Athletic too. But that's a good thing because you will be at the new home of football getting world-class writing, and the best coverage of Arsenal from writers like Amy Lawrence, whom we love, has been on the pod. David Ornstein, James McNicholas, also known as Gunner Blog, myself, but don't let that hold you back. The coverage of sports is unrivaled and there's no advertising to get in the way no clickbait they're not chasing ad revenue they're just trying to write great in-depth articles they've broken some incredible news they've had some incredible interviews loved the article about the Eddie and Keddy load to Leeds and how that came about so there's a lot to like there try it out it's a month free and then if you stick with it it's two fifty a month that's it so you can go to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal Vision and try it now see what all the buzz is about go sign up now theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal Vision Okay, we're back. Paul, I I think we should talk about a few individual performances here and individual moments, and one that I think is worth interrogating is Pepe's performance a little bit. Um, It is in vogue when there is a a boogeyman, when there is a a principal villain to blame everything on that person. Uh, So if the principal villain for you is Unai Emery, then it is in vogue to say that the reason Pepe is struggling is because Unai Emery. And... There are certainly some truth to that. It may be that the system that Emery is employing is not doing Pepe a lot of favors, and there may be some truth to the fact that having Callum Chambers at fullback, who while we love him, is not a fullback, is not helping Pepe, and that Bellerin coming back will help. But I think it is also fair to say that the player is scuffling, that he is struggling a bit. That the you know the the way he hit that shot when he was open on the edge of the area, that's that's not a well struck ball. That his ball striking doesn't look clean. When he sent Saka through which resulted in the corner that ironically resulted in us conceding. Um, He badly underhits a pretty easy pass and just gets lucky because the defender falls down. And, you know, he did lose possession a lot. The dribble doesn't seem to have the same conviction and, and uh, trickery that it did early on. And then look, we all say the reason Ozil can't be in the team is because he doesn't work off the ball. And there was that one glaring moment in the game where he sort of lost the ball and then just stopped moving. Like I I thought maybe he had stepped in glue. So, Where do you stand on Pepe and the performances he's putting in right now? And notwithstanding the fact that maybe the system isn't helping him, do you have the nascent developing tiny little slightest bits of concern yet?
3: Sure. Um, Though I do think the system's not helping him. I mean, we spent so little time progressing into the final third when you look at it. Ha, I've tricked you into
1: agreeing with me. (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ozil would have been really handy after 24 don't hours start. of arguing don't against agree, would have. <laughs> but, but he would have been unhandy in some other senses, but no, you can see, as I look back on the stuff on Pepe, I saw when we were researching him over the summer, I mean, he does really well in and around the box, but we don't really get him into the box onto the ball. We haven't, we haven't progressed far enough up the, pitch in terms of where we're taking our positions and um, you kind of wanted to either be like Anfield where our starting points for Pepe are inside our own half and he's chasing the ball up the pitch or you want to give him plenty more opportunities where he's actually getting into the box and can cause some mayhem or run at the box and he hasn't had much of that but yeah I'm certainly concerned that he's I mean there was There was some discussion on one of the pods about whether it were possible that Pepe might have a crisis of confidence early in the season and set back for a while. And (laughs) be told it is in fact possible he has a couple of bad games, his confidence sucks. I mean, when you look at his body language, you look at you know the the cameras on his face. He looks like he doesn't feel he belongs there yet. I think he's really struggling. Some players take a long time to adjust to the league, to a new environment. I mean, this is a very French boy. And I'm not talking about what team he plays for as an international. I'm talking about the world he comes from. Um, this is a big transition for him. And some find it easier than others. And he doesn't have that overlapping fullback. So mm. I think that's going to be a big upgrade for him. Yeah, I'm worried. And I wouldn't be playing him right now. I'd be resting him, bringing him on for 20 minutes for a game or two. But we don't have a lot of good options. Um
1: yeah, you know what uh, I will say? Oh,
3: Zaka's coming on strong, and that helps balance it out a little bit, but I'd definitely be resting Pepe for a game or two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think all of the front-line players would benefit from having another body closer to them. A lot of us would benefit from having another body closer to us, if I'm being honest. I, I think every um,
3: player should have a personal Ozil <laughs> running alongside him to make they,
1: him happen. Yeah, the problem is he wouldn't run enough, so what would you do? Um, yeah. Look, I think... I think that's all spot on and and you know again systems affect players but when the ball came to him in the box and he, he didn't hit it properly or when he under hits a through ball or when his cross goes out into touch you know where he takes a free kick terribly like those things aren't system those things are execution and he just has to be a little sharper um I thought the decision to bring Nelson on for him was questionable um you know I I don't I don't know that Nelson you know, I look at how Nelson played against Watford and I think that was kind of worrying, you know, and, and it showed that at this level he he maybe just doesn't back himself enough. Um I, I think Martinelli maybe with the way he played in the in the cup tie Showed that he he has that big personality. Although, to be fair, Nelson played well in the Cup tie, too. So maybe that's a load of nonsense. Uh, Clive, <laughs> we, let's move on from Pepe just for a minute. You, you can come back to him in a second if you want. But I, I do want to talk about Gendouzi for a second. I, I think this is a player who has future Arsenal, Arsenal. What am I? Sean Connery now? Arsenal. He's got future Arsenal captain written all over him. Uh, he's got fu- future Arsenal captain written all over him. I thought he was brilliant. He had that defensive header over the bar. And if you watch that whole passage of play, he never switches off. He runs back. He tracks the runner. He knows the man is there. He gets, you know, turned around a little bit and still has a presence of mind to head that up and over the bar. Um, his his shot after the one right before the corner that we concede from where Saka gets in and takes a shot. that's a little tame, and De Gea paws it away, and Guendouzi bursts along to get all the way into the box, onto that, hits it low and hard right into the corner, and De Gea's strong hand to keep it out. I thought he was really good. He's just growing and growing in personality. Uh, how impressed are you with him in this performance and how central is he right now to the, the success of the team?
2: Yeah, he basically, he's one of the three or four players that own the team at the moment. And um, in the last, well, last two or three games, he's he's dragged us up by our bootstraps, isn't he? And um, I urge you to watch the last 50 minutes of this game again. I'll I'll tell you now, he was absolutely everywhere. Yep. And I, I just cannot... Overstate this. I I saw it on live. I watched it again today. It's a joke. It is literally a joke. I want you to watch the effort. Watch the running. Watch the desire not to be beaten. But when you get the ball, what's the desire to challenge? To challenge your man. To challenge your position. To buy fouls. Get fouls. Dominate the ref. Dominate proceedings. Switch play. Keep the ball moving. Drive through holes. I mean, wow opposition
3: is, teams will be planning to play against yeah uh,
2: this is this is a this is a young Tony Cruz and, I, and he's got Real Madrid written all over him uh, he really has and and um, I had the rumours of a contract coming his way. I tell you now, I know what i would do with him today. I wouldn't let him out of the room. I wouldn't <laughs> let him out of the room until you sign. Sign here, mate. Or I'm not gonna let you out. No food or water, because he's that. He's that. He's that important. You got to project sometimes and say, "We went. Remember how we did a spotlight on him last year, and we went big on him. And then come Christmas, he started to run through quicksand and we sort of hid in the hedge, right? But he's come back out. <laughs> we did. We did. I actually
3: Spotlight. We <laughs> <Yeah. I mean,
2: laughs> yeah. ahead. Super jinx and I, I remember thinking, I actually said, I think he'll be our best player in our team in two years. And I thought, bloody hell, no one actually uh, remembers that. But actually, I've said it, I've said it again, and I'm going to stand by it until we reach Christmas again. that I haven't said it. But you'd be foolish not to see what he's doing. And it, he's improved massively. I think he's a bit stroppy. I think um I think he's got a bit of an extreme. I can see him getting sent off for dissent. I can see him doing all of those things. And it's all part of your journey to being proper world class. Seth Fabregas had that the, in him.
1: You know, didn't hold it. It's also back. part of his fuel though, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Well we've we've praised uh Gwen enough and I, I couldn't more highly recommend that people go back to our Patreon in the spotlight, Matteo Genduzzi, <laughs> right when he's bursting onto the scene, and see how right we were because clearly we were so right. It. And then repost don't listen it, to any of our of our in of the, the spotlight. Yeah. Delete,
2: delete others. Just repost, that one, repost right. that
1: one. Yeah, I will do that. Um, that's, that's a good idea. next to it. But but I it, look. We got, we got a lot to get through with with not a lot of time left with you guys. So I I want to spin through another player who I think deserves credit. You know. For all the fact that I think Nelson has maybe wilted a little bit under the spotlight when he's had the chance in the Premier League, and I realize that's harsh, and I'm, I'm not picking on him. I just think he hasn't, he hasn't quite been at the level. Bukaya Saka is at the level. He looks like he belongs. Much like Gendouzi, he has the precociousness. He has the personality, and he wants the big moment. I don't think he necessarily quite executed on that breakaway where he was put in by Pepe, but he certainly got unlucky with the way he struck the ball uh, when it was deflected over the crossbar. That's going in really nicely hit. Paul, I-, I think Saka gives us balance on that left wing. He creates threat. He's really doing all the things we kind of hope Pepe would do I think he has to continue to play, and, and I think when we do get these fullbacks back, I know we keep projecting what it'll be like when Tierney and, and Bellerin are back, but when the fullbacks start overlapping again, because Kolasinac was very clearly instructed not to overlap today, not to go forward, but when he has that extra overlapper and, and when that space is created and defenders are on skates when he's coming at them, that's only going to create more room for Aubameyang, so that's really exciting. Are you as impressed with Saka's performance in this game as, as I was?
3: Yeah, I am. Um, I I, hit, I think he hit all the notes there. Um, of course, at some stage, being a young player, he's going to run out of gas for, for no great reason. It just always seems to happen. So we won't, you know, we're not going to get him for 38 games this season at that level. But uh, we do have Lacazette to get back in the team. Um, but that's kind of an interesting one because if you drop Lacazette at centre forward, where does Aubameyang go? We kind of liked Aubameyang on the right, uh, in preseason. Um, so there's still options there. You could play Saka on the left. So you can see him getting a continued run. Pepe getting a little bit of a rest. And now you really do have four players who can rotate. I mean, to me, Saka clearly has an eye for goal and will score goals. And he o- always has at a junior level. Um, so I think he was unlucky on the Lindelof uh, block because uh, lo- uh, he looked like he had a absolutely in his crosshairs there. Um, and, you know, he, he said so he, in a two-minute spell, he could have had that goal plus the assist for uh, Obama Yang. And so uh, th- he, I think he really lends himself to the piece we were missing. We lost to Wobbe on that side, and we're like, well, who's going to step up there? It just doesn't seem like Nelson has brought enough juice in any of his senior performances that he's the answer I mean, he's close. There's not much in it, but at the same time, maybe that's the difference between these young players. As Adrian Clark said yesterday on the intro to this game, when he was talking about all the youth players, we have a bunch of them. that are right, right on the line, but they won't all make it because they don't. Uh, and yet, you can look at Sack and say, "Yeah, he's definitely making it." Um, he just he's he brings the lie to the rule that uh, if. You know, if you're good enough, if you have that talent, you'll have it in it when you're young. And at 17, 18, he just does things that a smart professional player does. He's just got it's not just he's good running at goal. Mm -hmm. He's good all over the
1: pitch. Yeah, I agree with that.
3: Uh, He's cagey. He's smart. He handled uh, young, who's a sneaky, tricky, dirty player on many occasions. He need to get a little bit more savvy on the shirt pull and keep going or at least take a better tumble than that, but um, you know, it's hard to go to Old Trafford and do a Guendouzi spinning four times across the ground as if you've been shot from distance, but he'll learn. Um, but pretty much everything outside of the dark arts he's got in terms of how he manages himself, how he guards the ball, how patient he is, he's cool on playing out from the back, out from the corners, uh, playing us upfield. And while we weren't very good, I-, I know you had a bit you wanted to do on us playing out from the keeper, where we weren't great uh necessarily mixing it up with uh, balls from the keeper up pitch um, versus playing out from the back. We, we were at times very good playing out from the corners or playing out through Dozy under pressure. And Saka was, uh, I think, a significant par- part of that. And that's allowing for the fact that we were restraining both uh, fullbacks deliberately. So for Saka to shine in that setup yesterday tells you of scraps you know he made a lot of that himself so yeah lots of upside there
1: yeah i i think that's well said i i think he is a player who at least until Lacazette is back should probably continue in the team i mean I, we don't need to discuss yang he took his goal brilliantly he didn't have a lot to work with here but the guy just scores every single game i think it is a bit of a worry that he has 7 goals lacazette has 2 a couple other players have 1 but i mean he he is he does seem to be the only the only player we can trust right now to score goals and and he just keeps doing it. I, I don't know what you can say about this guy. If he doesn't impress you, you're watching something else. He is uh he is really special and we're really fortunate to have him. Um I think we're we're losing Paul right now. So let me say goodbye to you really quickly. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo. Uh Clive, can I keep you for a few minutes? Yes, mate. Oh, good, thanks. That's what I was hoping. Uh so I think um well, Paul, Paul touched on it, so let's get to that real quick, and then then we'll get to the Ozil thing, because I, I just want to ask you a question about that. But with respect to playing out from the back, playing out from the back is smart. It is good, and it works. And especially if you're going to play more on the counter and you're not going to commit resources to the attack and try to possess the ball in the final third, then you do want to play back to front and try to create those numerical advantages. We just were too dogmatic doing it. We were doing it against good teams who were pressing us well, and we were embarrassing ourselves and putting us ourselves under too much pressure doing it. When you're two nil up against Watford, you know, every single time didn't make a lot of sense, but we seem to have now decided that, okay, we're bad at it. So we're never going to do that. And now we're going long all the time and we're going long to Aubameyang buttressed by, you know, bracketed by two defenders who he's not going to win the first ball against. He doesn't. I think we won seven of 20 long goal kicks, um, long balls from, from the keeper. It was coming back at us constantly. You know, you would think go to Chambers, you know, a taller fullback against against a fullback instead of going to Aubameyang against two centre backs, but that's beside the point. I'm curious to get your take on the fact that we don't seem to be able to find a happy medium between playing out from the back sometime and playing long and, and how we fix that.
2: I think we all carry the scars of Watford. That was stupidity. That was something that I just can't believe from... I, can, I understand the pattern that you're trying to do. I understand the reasons why. I understand you want to get the ball into higher areas so you can create one-on-one situations. I understand percentage-wise, by booting it long, you're creating a fight ball. You're not controlling the play. You're not controlling possession. You give the ball to your position. You're in areas that you don't want to be. I understand all the reasons for doing it. But when a team was 2-0 down with six people in front of you, that wasn't the time to do it against Watford. I think Manchester United, they lined up with Rashford and James, two quick sprinters to try and put pressure on our full-backs each side of the penalty box. Leno looked at it. They weren't tight on the edge like Watford were. They weren't weren't so tight. But they were there, and they're very quick, and they're very uh, decent tacklers. So Leno looked at it and decided, you know what? Why i got to learn from the Watford game and I'm going to go longer. He went down the middle a few times. and You're right, Elliot, we just got smashed. Maguire just put his big head on it. And um, he went out to the fullbacks and they got some pieces, but not much. You know, Chambers didn't get much. And so what we're saying is here, we haven't really got an easy out. We haven't got an easy out first phase. And so we have to build from the back. I don't think Socrates is comfortable. I think Chambers, what he does cleverly, gets himself high up early and says to the winger, you follow me. And if he loses it, we all saw what happened against Aston Villa because he can't get back in. But if he gets it, we can progress up the field, right? So I'm not sure what the answer is until Lacazette gets back. You know, first phase ball, he can hold the ball up a little bit more. He you can fade it into him and he's much stronger, lower body power. I think Saka showed a lot of security on the ball. I think he you can roll it into his feet once you do progress it and he can really roll you and turn you and but I just think we lack that security. And I know you wanna see us control the ball, like I do, and you wanna see us progress the ball. But actually, we haven't got we haven't got the security, as I said earlier, to do it. And uh, and I think we're struggling with a little bit of power there to do that. And so um, I'm generally not sure what the answer is, apart from what you would say to any player. Play what you see. Don't do something stupid. We want to build, but if it's not on, it's not on. And it wasn't on last night with any sort of safety. Given the, given the enormity of the game, it's important we didn't hand them goals because we wouldn't get we wouldn't get them back again, you know. So, um, mm-hmm. so I totally understood it. Now, how do we fix it? I think we need to be quicker with some of our restarts. I think we need to drop more people in. We need to have three lines. We need to have the ability because Leno's, although he's quite good at his feet. I think Martinez has got better passing. I think he's got the mid range fade as well as the longer kick. I think he's just as good on the ball of his feet, not a little bit better. So Leno doesn't seem to like that mid range fade. He he goes long or he goes short. Right. So I think we need to do we need to add that mid range in there and just pick different exit plans. But I, I'm with you. I think it's it's I'd rather go wide, go wide to the full and try to get a second effort from there then giving it to Socrates is obviously not comfortable. I think Chambers, if Chambers goes into right centre half, I think that would be interesting because I think he likes the ball and um, Louise likes the ball. And that could change things slightly um, if that was to happen. Holder is also another one that's very good on the ball. So I think the edginess really, for me anyway, when I see Socrates have it, I start to get a bit concerned. Mm. He's a tracker, he's a dog, he's a runner. But... Let's not ask him to fade balls four yards into the center forward. It's just not happening, right? That's not his skill set.
1: Yeah, so, all right. Well, let's talk about, you know, an, another player who didn't play in this game and wasn't even in the team, and that's messi Ozel. I hate that Ozil has to be discussed in every podcast, and you could say, "Why even talk about him who wasn't in the team. But I do want to yeah. ask about it because I understand the idea that <clears throat> away at Old Trafford you need grafters, you need – you need players that will put in the work, that will put in the running <clears throat> and all that. But, you know, I look at how this game was progressing and maybe a little control, maybe a little precision in the final third, maybe Ozil instead of Nelson. <clears throat> Excuse me again, sorry. Uh, you know, maybe Ozil instead of Willick at the end there. Um, you know, and we can discuss in this conversation a little bit the, the decision to put Willick on with the game tied at 1-1 and, and a chance to maybe go win it. But... You put him in the squad, you avoid the controversy, you avoid the question of, of why he's not in the team, and I understand all the things Ozil doesn't do well, but let me point this out. Nicola Pepe, when he lost the ball, was walking around at times, and he wasn't chasing back. I mean, the argument that Ozil is somehow the only guy in on the team that won't put in a shift, I, I don't think that's entirely being borne out. So it does start to look like playing favorites at some level. Is that a player who could have been useful in that second half? And and is Emery making a rod for his back by just totally not even bringing him to, to Manchester? And by the way, we're going to put to one side whether there may be anything else at, at play here—nefarious, you know, conspiratorial stuff. We're just going to talk about it from a football perspective.
2: Yeah, football wise, I I you know, I think Paul tweeted something out today. He said like Mesut Ozil's had seventy-two appearances in I don't know the last eighteen months or whatever. He's had plenty of time to show what he can do on the pitch. And I I thought it was a very wise thing to say because over the last year and a half, two years, he's had some high moments. If I ask you to name me five really good games where he's really dominated the play and justified some of the things that you just said, I think the first one that comes into mind would be Leicester at home. And I, I think a lot of people will struggle to name that five. I know I certainly would. I certainly know that during the six years he's been at the club, there's not, I think there was one Everton game where we did really well. I don't know how many other times in the northwest of England that he's had great games away from home. Please write in and tell me because I've been watching and I haven't seen it. And so the idea of this player 2014-2015 superstar that is technically probably in my top three most favourite players to watch because technically how he sees the game, how he manipulates the ball, how he reads the game, how he's totally ahead of time. That is a memory. What I see now is another player that I really can't envisage managing the intensity of a player just for example, this is where modern football is going. Man United's best player was Scott McTominay. He's a six-foot-two, Darren Fletcher look-alike that runs until his heart bursts out of his chest. He's intense, he tackles, he shoots, he runs, he fights, he defends, he runs forward. Nothing special, nothing on the talent of Mesut or But... He would take that ball of Meta Ozil and run away from him. And that's where the modern game is going. And there are less room for the Mesut Ozil's of this world. In, and there are less room for those players. Liverpool have forsaken them. Man City have a special one in Kevin De Bruyne. They converted David Silva to be a hard-running, hard-tackling eight Bernardo Silva came as a, f- a flighty winger from Monaco. Look how hard he works off the ball now. The game has changed. Look at Raheem Sterling. Look at his work rate. Look at his tackle in the last five minutes of the game at the weekend. And he uh, and he was scoring the last goal. I think it was against Everton. Sorry, I missed that for a second. Good players recognise there are two sides of the game, I'm afraid. It's not to say... We want Mesler to be Scott Parker lookalike. We just want him to be part of the team.
1: And, and the work for the team. <laughs> you know what? But I, I just, again, I, ju- I just want to row it back to this game for one second. I think it, if the argument is you need players who are all committed to the cause and work for the team and work off the ball, which I think is important and, of course, should be an issue in selection, and you're taking Pepe off, who clearly was not doing those things, oh, and that's I not totally to kill agree, Pepe,
2: <clears throat> and he got taken off. And Elliot I actually said to deny. I? I think Pepe is actually the new Mesut Ozil. I think he's a lot more. He's a lot closer to Mesut Ozil in skill set than he is to Abamayang, for example. I think he's he's a creative lefty that can step people. You know, the final product isn't there at the moment but he's much closer to what he can and can't do to Ozil than he is to a Bambiang or Lacazette, right? So a younger Mesut Erzul. When, when Mesut Ozil was young, he was that type of player. He was much more of a winger. He was quicker. He used to run off the ball lots more. They just still does that, to be fair. And I see, I see a young Urzel in Pepe on a lot of the skill sets. Um but let's see how Pepe develops, right? Sure. So I take your point. You can't call it favoritism with with this with our record signing that we want to see play that everyone wants to see play. A few people have some fears over him um, with the game last night, and he was he was losing the ball so much that they were transitioning that the manager had to take him off before he cost us the game, right? So, and I I take your point. I don't think it's favoritism. I just think we have some memories of him which are not conducive to a game at Old Trafford. Now we've got a game on Thursday night or we've got a game on Sunday. I have no problem with 2019 Mesut Ozil playing in those games or one of those games, for example, if he's up to it fitness-wise and if if he's up to it motivation-wise. I've got no problem at all because you can't deny his talent, I'm afraid. Talent without application affects the rest of the team, and sure. I, I'm all about team. Mate. And, I'm and
1: I guess my only my only response to that, if I wanted to take a contrarian viewpoint, would be that there was room in this game, as it was played and as we were playing it, for a connective player in the front three to drift between the lines and give Gunduzi or Shaka a ball to play, who could turn hold the ball, and play it in the sack and Yang in dangerous positions. And if that player was a little switched off defensively, I think that could have been okay because, yeah, frankly, I mean, we we had a player who was switched off defensively, and I don't think any of our front three players were doing a lot of work defensively in this game. I think the Nelson swap and the Willick swap both could have been Ozil in this game, and I don't think it changes the outcome defensively, but I think maybe it gives you just that measure. You know, the games get so open late because we're bringing these players on who are athletes but they are not technical. They are not possession players and we really yeah. start to lose control and we start running up and down the pitch. And and I i think you can make an argument that there's another way to do it. And that other way to do it is to bring a guy on who can have the ball at his feet and and control a game with a little bit of possession and a little bit of quality on the ball. So
2: There is that way. There is that way and it's quite interesting you say that. I mean May United were looking for space. They were looking for weak bodies. They looked at Kalashnik late in the game. They put Rashford on his side, and we responded by taking off a tiring sacker because he was playing a lot deeper by then, and his effectiveness going forward was was wavering. And he put Willock in front of the the left back. He put Nelson, the youth, you know, the youth dog, in front of um, the right back to give him some cover because Callum Chambers was, at, was having a body breakdown in his lower body. He was literally seizing up right with rigor mortis. So basically, <laughs> that was that was happening so what happens sometimes on the pitch you know this is what you have to realize and and I I'm I help coach a team right now a player you can you can spot a player flagging and if you spot it you have got to react to either taking that player out or you cover that player in front and you support him and you have to do it now in this game emery chose subaius as that player to link right i felt he did it for a few minutes and then i felt positionally he was drifty well he didn't hold his position I don't think he was available enough so he chose Tobias to do that role and that's what the club have given him this player on loan for the season to either supplement the Ozil role they share the games but particularly away from home, he felt, I think he feels, if I'm going to have a connector in the team, it's going to be him. Now, the Tobias that played at Watford, it, it shocked us. It wasn't quite there, what we thought it was going to be, particularly in the second half. So we have a debate in that position, and your opinion is absolutely valid except I wish it was no debate. I wish Mesut Ozil was so good, it would just be an obvious thing. And I have to say, to play him in this game is not a clear and obvious I, I agree.
1: but And again, I just want to be clear about saying, I'm not saying Mesut Ozil <clears throat> absolutely should have played in this game. I'm saying that, there is an argument that Mesodozo could have added something we needed in this game. And that argument, to me, at least makes it worthwhile putting him on your bench, putting him in your team, not creating this rod for your back where it becomes a huge talking point and Mesodozo's frozen out. And then you have the option if you're looking at the game to say, you know what, I actually could use him here. So again, let's move on from it because it is a debate that is tedious and and probably so peripheral at this point because the manager is showing us what he thinks of this player. The player is certainly doing stuff to bring it on himself. I don't debate that. But let's finish with this because I think it is the, the question of the day. How do you feel about a point at Old Trafford? I mean, do you play the shirt or do you play the team? To me, these teams are probably both finishing outside the top four, both United and Arsenal, and Leicester is a bigger threat than United. To me, the the benefit of getting three points here was worth the risk. Emery clearly didn't see it that way. How do you feel about one point in this game?
2: I feel all right about one point in this game. I will tell you, I I, I feel even more all right after Bournemouth for the weekend because if we win that game, then it's been a great week. Simple as that. It's been a good week, right? So, so we have to deliver on that. We have to make sure that we um, make sure we get our home win. I think for me, it's, um, it's it's it. I know there's a lot of anger about about the manager, and I, I try to stay away from this, and but it's hard not to. It's hard not to start thinking about it. Um, I do think from a Playing perspective, we haven't seen this real team yet, but my mind is already moving on to the next phase of Arsenal and what that's going to look like. I, I think Emery has his, you know, you know my view about him being a cleaner. He's here to help be part of the reconstruction of the club. I see James wrote a brilliant piece down the Athletic, and someone they need to go and read that for many people. It's absolutely fantastic. All right, fantastic. I do the
1: promotions around here. Keep it in your pants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's the sort of stuff I, I love to read, right? About where we're going as a club, because it is about the club. Um, and I, I do think that the club is actually going in the right direction. And that's going to force a change in thinking about what type of major we want to take us to the next phase. But I don't think um, Emery is going to take us to the next phase. I've never felt it. I thought it would be done at the end of the season. But there's so much anger at the moment, so much um, tension, and you know I would like a bit of serenity, that I, I feel it's starting to leak onto the pitch and leak into decisions and leak into the, the playing side. It must do. It must do. The whole captaincy thing, which I think the club brought on themselves up to a point. They're not stupid. Everyone can everyone sense the change. Everyone can sense there's no credit in the bank. And so I am thinking about the next phase and what that looks like. And much like the zigzag you have in politics from an Obama to a Trump, we've gone from a, an Obama-type leader to a bit more of a pragmatic-type leader, a coach that really wants to overthink at times. And <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to now... call
1: Trump a pragmatist. <laughs> no, you know, you know what I'm saying, though. Uh, yeah, no, it's I know. Zi- it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the Opposite it's the ends of the spectrum,
2: yeah. Thank you, even better words, even better words. That zigzag, and now we're all thinking, oh, we want to communicate again. We want someone we can understand. We want someone that represents, you know, the closer values that we recognize. We want these things. But we wanted something else. Well, I wanted a, a more tactical, strategic manager. This one may be too tactical, even for me, right? So, or but we or are just have bad tactics. Are.
1: I mean, by the way, you know, one thing we tend to do, I think, is when we see a manager who's conservative, we call that tactics. Like, being adventurous is tactics, too. Like, I, I just, I don't know that these tactics are coherent. Uh, let, let me just step in for one second, Clive, and just make this point. What Emery has done for me, other than make me lose my mind, is pull into tighter focus the extent to which Arsenal is entertainment for me. And I think if you're going to play ugly football, if you're going to play football that is not particularly attractive, there is there is impetus on you, pressure on you to win a lot more. Because ugly football has to be winning football. You know, coming forth playing terribly is not fun. This isn't fun. So I think if your ambitions are, you know, if you can win a title playing like Jose Mourinho plays, then I don't think anybody's going to complain about it. If you can get 90 points playing Jose Mourinho park-the-bus football... I think people will take that and they'll sing your name to the rafters. If you're going to play that kind of football, and we saw this at United, and the best it's going to give you is a Europa League and top four or fifth, people are going to want you out. And so I, I have to admit that my impatience with Emery is probably more accelerated by the fact that I don't enjoy watching us play football. Watching us play Forest was a ton of fun. I like seeing... Players committed to the attacking third, pressing the opposition, winning the ball, creating chances, playing one-twos on the edge of the area, through balls into strikers, and we have the talent, and it feels like it's not being utilized. And while I fully admit that Emery may have a plan that maybe, maybe could work, I don't see it, but I, I'm not as smart football-wise as he is, obviously. I fully admit that I'm not enjoying watching it, and that colors my my feeling. I see a United with Axel Twan Zabi and and scott mctominy and they're bringing on mason greenwood and fred and that you know they're just such a weak team and i think oh let's let's go test their their glass jaw and the fact that we we were reluctant to do that i have to admit it turns me off it doesn't mean it was wrong but it turns me off and some of this you always say it clive it's how we see football this isn't football i'm enjoying seeing and because i'm not enjoying seeing it then the, the results i guess what i'm trying to say a long-winded way of saying if you're not going to enjoy the football you're seeing it puts pressure on the results to be even better and when the results are mediocre or worse the bad football compounds your frustration i think that's what's happening here
2: yeah i mean i, I totally understand me and that's that's a personal feeling and we're lucky we have the platform we can share that and i think we're unlucky you know, for the listener <laughs> you know and, uh, you know, if I also tell you that, you know, one of the last times I've really enjoyed an Arsenal team was the mm. Sani, Cazola, Cochalin, Sanchez, or Walcott. That team, I really like that team with Ramsey tucked in on the right. I mm. really like that team. I really enjoyed it. It was flawed. We moaned. We critiqued. But I really like that team. Now, I don't yearn for that team to be back together because we're building a new team. We're building a new club. Right, My favourite player ever was Patrick Vieira. If I judge every player against him, I would be killing Shaka a lot more than you do, mate. Simple as that. But could, we, could are we are where we are. We are where we are with this team, with this player. So can I critique him based on what he does, what he's doing? Not based on my own opinion of what an ideal centre midfielder should be, but based on what he's doing or what he's not doing. And I think you talk about not what what's his team... It's not fun. You know what? The last 18 months of Wenger's reign wasn't fun either. Right? No, which, is, and which we, is
1: why we moved on, you know? And, and it
2: wasn't fun. And let's not, let's not talk about the Horseshoe Football Day it was that exciting because it wasn't. And we were still getting broken on and we were still conceding. And we haven't changed the numbers much, which I'm sure you're aware of. And there have been some fun moments and there have been some traumatic moments and there have been some confusing moments. But we... but. I look at the club and I see a direction. Now, the next phase is around the corner. I think what worries me the most, uh, I'm really worried about Pepe, for example. That is a strategic spend that we need to go well. We can't afford to have that go wrong. You know, we need that to go well. So that player needs nurturing, he needs supporting. That's a lot of money and that's a future of our attack going forward. Yeah. We have a 30-year-old striker and we have a 28, 29-year-old striker. This kid needs to work. It needs to work. It really does. These are things I would care about because much more than a manager, which in this structure, he is he can be transient. It doesn't worry me. I'm more concerned about what do we want next? What type of person want next? Where do we want to go? Do we want a replacement for me? Are we going to reposition our club significantly differently with with a different type of major that can bring in a different persona to the club, with different perception, and really go superstar major? I don't know, but it's going to be very interesting to see where the club will go next. Emery's role is coming to an end, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. It's, I don't, we don't need to blame him for every bad pass and every short corner. We're smart enough to know he's had a two plus one year contract. His role is coming to an end. So let's let this play. We need this team to do well. We have to be in the top four. Spurs are playing Bayern Munich tonight. I don't like that that bothers me. I mean,
1: I like right? it when they lose 4-0, but yeah, hey, I, I don't
2: like that. Yeah. So, we need to we need to focus on what we need to focus on.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's well said. I got to leave it there. Uh so I apologize for that. But I I I think look, we're still in the top 4. We're still in the top 4. For all the hand-wringing, we're in the top 4. Bellerin and Tierney coming back, that's going to change some things. He's soon going to be in that moment where We've all been pointing to, oh, when this happens and when that happens and when this happens, then he could win. Well, Lacazette's going to be back and Bellerin's going to be back and Tierney's going to be back. He's got a window. He still has some easy games coming up. He's got an international break to get everyone fit, so it's got to turn around, and and hopefully it will soon. You know what? We'll leave it there. Clive and I are probably going to try to do a rewatch tomorrow for patrons, so uh, Clive, you up for that? good for that mate. yeah yeah i mean that'll invalidate everything i thought about the game so that's always fun uh give us a five-star review right now and ask things about us in the comments we really do appreciate you clive's on twitter at clive thanks clive thank you very much my name's elizabeth blocked me on twitter yankee gunner i am sort of a hysterical mess right now i fully acknowledge that I-, I think the the type of football we're playing is something i'm struggling to wrap my head around so i appreciate everybody struggling along with me or muting me or whatever it is that you do to me blocking me anyway um so yeah rewatch on patreon tomorrow uh, there's my hysterical instant reaction up there now if you want to see just how mental I went at full-time. Uh, and we'll have a post-match pod after Standard, obviously. So lots to come still this week. We love you, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Standard via new.